0: James chapter 1, look at verse 12, we're going to look at verses 12 through 18, it says there blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he is tried he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him, let no man say when he is tempted I am tempted of God for God cannot tempt with evil neither tempteth he any man But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. Then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begot, uh, begat he us with a word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creature. Uh, the title of this message I've taken from really the first verse Enduring Temptation. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and the privilege to be in your word. I do pray, dear Lord, that you would uh, give us the thanks. That need to be said tonight to meet the needs of our hearts. We do pray, dear Lord, for Pastor Byler and his wife as they're away. Give them time of refreshing. Bring them back here safely tomorrow. Continue his ministry here among these people. We thank you, dear Lord, for his faithfulness. We also, dear Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. That you'd work in our lives tonight to bring us closer to you. Maybe correct things in our life need to be corrected strengthen things that need to be strengthened, and above all that we bring honor and glory to your name, in Christ's name we pray, amen. Uh, So this morning we dealt with the word temptation out of verse 2, and talked about the fact that that was really dealing with trials, we talked about that from the third verse, the trying of our faith, Uh, and in that context we dealt with trials, uh, you know in the word again a the temptation there, what we're dealing with here in these uh uh verses twelve through eighteen is the word temptation again, but it is temptation like we think of temptation <laughs> uh temptations that come in our lives to do something that uh would bring a conduct or activity outside the the word of God and thus bring sin into our lives uh that's the temptation we're talking about here uh let me say this verse twelve. If you go around and read any commentaries, that type of thing, some people will say that verse 12 goes with the first use of the word temptation. But if you look, this actually is grouped together in one paragraph. Uh, And so verse 12 applies to uh, the context in verses 12 through 18. So we're dealing with temptation there to sin. And it says there uh, in verse 12, Blessed is that man that endureth temptation. Now, just like trials this morning, when I said that we're all, if we haven't faced them already, which I can't believe that that would be the case, uh, you're going to face them, and they're going to be diverse kinds, we talked about that, uh, you know, it's going to come. It's also true, because we deal with the old man, that we're going to face temptations, and, and this kind of temptation, a lot of times we face more often, because of the 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 wickedness of our own flesh, the struggles that we have. The Bible talks about a sin that does so easily beset us. Uh, That besetting sin um, is a sin that may be different for everybody in this room. Uh, Whatever sin it is you struggle with, uh, it is going to be oftentimes that sin that is the greatest source of temptation uh, that we're talking about here today. And we need to understand and make this statement from the beginning. Temptation itself is not sin. Okay, We'll look at a verse here in a little bit, but Christ was tempted. Forty days He was tempted. But our Savior could be our Savior because He did not sin in that temptation. But He also gave us a guidance as to how we can handle temptation. Because as temptation comes, and it will, it's how we handle that temptation is going to dictate in our lives whether we're going to have a continued right relationship with the Lord or if we're going to break that fellowship with sin. And that's really what this passage is talking about. We cannot, should not ever, and we'll see that, that truth out here, charge God. Uh, with creating or tempting men to sin by the way if you ever deal with a Calvinist it's a good place to take them because God did not tempt man with sin their their position is that uh, he saved those who he was going to save and everybody else has no chance they, they can face fight temptation and try to do whatever, but they have no chance. And so their lives are just going to be given over to sin. God did not create man to be given over to sin. He created man in a perfect environment. And when Adam sinned, he gave that seed of sin to all mankind. And because of that, all mankind now has struggled with sin. The answer to that sin, as we talked about this morning, is only salvation through Jesus Christ. It's it's by no means anything that we can do ourselves. We talked about the fact here in the book of James that uh, it's not a work salvation. It's it's not things that I can do that will get me into heaven. It's a, a repentance of sin and understanding my sinful condition turning to the finished work of Christ on the cross of Calvary uh, and, and asking Him to forgive us our sins and having His shed blood applied to our lives, that brings salvation. Now, again, as I said this morning, salvation is the basis for a life that can have victory over sin. That victory is through Jesus Christ. And by that, salvation is through faith but salvation that is true uh, through faith is going to produce works it's going to produce a life that is living right and doing right and being obedient to scripture if you have a profession of salvation and there's not works of being obedient to scripture that follow there's no confidence in that salvation now the problem is when we're we're saved and Christ has applied His blood to our lives. Until eternity, Brother Smith, wherever he is back there, <laughs> in Sunday school class this morning, is talking about entering into an eternal rest. Until that day comes, and there's no tears shed in heaven, there's no affliction in heaven, there's no sin in heaven, and no temptation to sin in heaven. That is an unbelievable difference. That's the fulfillment of our salvation. But until that time, we still have an old man we've got to deal with. The struggle of our flesh. And here, in this passage, we're finding, really, where that struggle meets the rubber meets the road. And the thing about it is, if we endure that temptation, and by enduring that temptation I mean that we go to the word of God, we find the answer to that temptation, and we come out of it victorious on the other side. It's not sin, and what I mean by victorious is, we come out of that temptation with, with victory, not having fallen into sin. Do you know that's the goal that God has for every one of us? 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 says, I write unto you little children that ye, what? Sin not. Now, as we go through this, we could make an excuse that we have to deal with the old man. But listen, all that does is lower the bar. The bar is given to us in 1 John chapter 1 is that we sin not. Now, having said that, we're not going to be perfect. Okay, we're not, we're not Christ. We're not going to be sinless. So the second cha- verse in that chapter tells us that we have an advocate with the Father. What's an advocate? Well, this is a poor example. But if you've ever had a speeding ticket, you've had to go to court, and I say this because I've got a friend of mine at work that got caught doing quite a bit over the speed limit. So to keep him losing his license or even having to go to driver's school, he hired a lawyer that went to court with him for him and became an advocate with the judge on his behalf so that he didn't have to do certain things. That's a weak example, but that's what Christ is to us. He set the goal that we sin not, but when we sin, we have an advocate with Jesus Christ, the the Savior of our souls to stand at the right hand of God and intervene on our behalf so that when we've sinned we can go to Christ and ask for forgiveness and He stands before a, a Father that would want to judge our sins and shows His blood that's died for our sins. Now, but ha- having said that, we've got an advocate of There's Father. That does not give us a license just to live and struggle with the flesh all the time and never be victorious. And so here... We're seeing how uh, temptation comes about, how unhand- what, when it's unhandled, what happens, what the ultimate end of it is, and then we're going to find out that God loves us enough, shows us enough mercy, that if we'll follow Him through temptation, He will show us a way out. the first thing I want to look at here is the enduring of temptation Uh, verse 12 there says blessed is the man that endureth temptation now it's not the idea that he's got to endure uh, you know with the struggle of his own self that's not the idea the idea is, is that temptation comes and we follow after the Lord and we come out victorious on the other side the process of that that temptation is, is we're enduring that temptation, not falling prey to it and going to sin, but enduring that temptation and coming out victor, vic, uh, victorious. And he's saying, if we do that, he says, we're going to have blessing. That the blessing of the, says there, the blessing is the man, or, blessed is the man that endured temptation. And we go to Beatitudes over in Matthew chapter 5. It goes through, and blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek blessed are those that are persecuted uh, those that walk with the Lord that have the characteristics of true salvation in their life can have blessedness that is a, an internal joy I'll use the word happiness though that's really not a, a, a you know, good word it's, it's just the fullness of joy uh, that we mentioned this morning that we can have the blessing of the Lord and we endure temptation Second Peter Chapter 3, verse 14 says this. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found in him in peace without spot and blameless. Now again, i reiterate, we can't be perfect and sinless. But, it ought to be our goal in life to sin less. And he's saying here that the, the, we ought to be diligent to be found in Him in peace. And by the way, when you've sinned, you've broken peace. You don't have peace sins in your life. It's just, you just can't. But have peace without spot and blameless. That, that, that idea of blameless is there's nothing in our life that somebody could come along and grab a hold of and say, listen, that guy professes to be a Christian, but look how he lives. He said, so that ought not be true about a Christian. A Christian ought to be blameless. That doesn't mean he's perfect. That means that he handles uh, temptation correctly, and when temptation comes down the other side of sin, he realizes it, God convicts, he makes things right, and he goes on and he's walked with the Lord. So there's a blessedness in enduring a temptation. There's a reward enduring temptation. Look at verse 12. It says, when he's tried, that is tried in temptation. That, and this is not the same trial that we talked about this morning. This is temptation that comes about, and we're going to find out where it comes from in a moment. But when that when that comes, he's tried, and the idea is he's the, the trying of temptation and he comes out victorious. He said he will receive a crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. We're not going to go through tonight, but the Bible talks about different crowns. And it says that when we have those crowns, when we come to meet Jesus in heaven, we're going to lay those crowns at his feet. Why? Because of all those crowns, uh, the rewards of living a life that is righteous is because of his doing in our lives, and is not our own. And so doing, we're going to have a heart of gratitude to our Savior and we're going to lay those crowns at His feet. And one of those crowns here, it says, is the crown of life. We have, if we're truly saved, eternal life. We possess it right now. And we may live in time and our days may be marked off by 24 hours. You lose one every now and then. Uh, But 24 hours, But though we're boxed in by time, we're truly saved. We live in eternity. Have the fullness of Christ. Have life more abundantly. That's the crown of life he's talking about. An abundant life because of victory over temptation and and enduring temptation and having the blessing of God. It's a crown that we can obtain. One day to be laid at the feet of Jesus. What's a prerequisite for that reward? There's the last phrase there in verse 12, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. You see, if we have a true love for Christ in our lives, it is a motivating factor. When we talked about in Sunday school this morning, fear can be a motivating factor. But love for Christ and all that He's done for us and the blessings in life that He's given to us ought to be a motivating factor to make sure that when temptation comes, and it will, that we'll come outside the other side victorious because we love Him. We have a desire to please Him. We have a desire uh, to live righteously and upright and do the things that He requires of us uh, through faith in Him and salvation all that working out in our lives for a greater love for Him we have that love for Him desire to overcome temptation being obedient to scripture we're going to receive that crown of life now what's the source of temptation? Well, the first thing we need to say is it's not God. Look at verse thirteen. Let no man say when he is tempted, "I am tempted of God," for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. God is not going to tempt us to sin. Now, He may give us trials that we talked about in verse one or chapter or verse two of chapter one. But He's not going to lay temptation in our lives so that the outcome could possibly be us falling into sin. Now, I use that phrase because we use that phrase regularly. But let it be known, we do not fall into sin. We make a willful choice based on the desires of our hearts, that we'll see in a minute, to commit sin. So the first thing we need to acknowledge is that the source source of temptation is not God. The source of temptation is here in verses 14 and 15. Let me read those again. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. It says we're drawn away in our own lust. It says every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. Now what is lust? Fortunately we live in a society today that almost always tries to pigeonhole that into something physical. But lust really is any desire that we have that when followed through with would take us outside what the Bible says we ought to live in our lives. So that desire can be it can be physical uh, it can be material, material a desire for more money that drives us to make decisions in life that takes us out of the will of God. Um, it could be a desire in our lives to be accepted by someone. And because of that strong desire, we'll do things that take us out of the will of God in, a, in an attempt to, to uh, be found worthy or something of, of someone else. We can have a desire for ambition. Now, there's nothing wrong with trying to be the best person you could be in serving the Lord wherever you are. But if ambition is just to get to the highest place you can in work to make more money and have influence over people, and that's your motivating factor, that's a desire that will take you outside the will of the Lord. That'll, that'll bring about a treating of people that that are just it's just not right. Because it's all about me. The Bible talks about different lusts. Keep your hand here. Not too far over. Turn over to uh, 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 verse 15. Some of you probably quote this. It says this, Love not the world. Now, let me say this. He's not talking about this physical globe that we live on. Okay? Okay? That's not the world he's talking about. He's talking about the world culture, the world system, the things of the world, the material pursuit of the world, the philosophies of the world, the counsel that we could find in the world. uh, He says, love not the world. Now, the Bible says we're to be in the world, but not of it. We have to live in it. It's where we're at. It's where God's places, where we're doing his will but we're not supposed to be of it. It, it. it ought not to be that if you go to work and live your life, people can't tell the difference between you and, and someone that does not know Christ at work. It, it, ought, it ought not be that way. There ought to be a marked difference because there's not a love of the world. It says, love not the world, and notice this, neither the things that are in the world. We get caught up so often in the things of the world. we Look at stuff that people do, things that people own, or things that, uh, that, that, that people do, uh, own, and, and it becomes a desire of our lives to have the same things they have. My answer is why? He says we're not to love the world, we're not to love uh, the things that are in the world. And he says this, if any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so we all not love the world. It ought to be a characteristic not love the world. But verse 16 is what we want to get to here. It's just for all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh can be the things that we talked about. lust of the eyes can be all the materialism of the world. And seeing, seeing the, I always joke with Sam, about keeping up with the Joneses. So that, we all know our eyes are going to be drawn to the things of this world. And the pride of life. We mentioned the ambition. That's really, it's all about me. We live in a generation, by the way, that's all about me. It says the pride of life is not of the Father, but is, a, is of the world. So we have the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All are sources that, that the, the, the devil could begin to work in our lives. To bring about temptation. That's the lust of the flesh. A desire that is that if fulfilled will take us outside of the will of God and that lust can apply to any area of life. So we can be drawn away in lust. Now, notice this next word. It says there Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. This, this idea, every time I see this phrase, I think of Lot. Here he is with Abraham, a righteous man. Been brought up with him, he's on his journey with him. And they get, they're starting to have a little trouble with their cattle, uh, trying to, you know cattle mixing, servants of each one, all that. And then Abraham comes to the conclusion in the will of God that, listen, we've got to part ways. Abraham's righteous enough that he says to Lot, listen, you pick one way or the other, and I will go the other way. So if, that had, if, if Lot had made the other decision, it could have been Abraham giving a righteous testimony in the Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> but that wasn't what happened. Lot looked at the two. He looked over there at the plain that had Sodom and Gomorrah and saw these cities. Thought, you know, of of all the things that that opportunities that could provide. His lust was starting to take hold. And so that was the choice he made. So he went to live there. And while he was there, we're not getting all the details there, but he was enticed by all that he saw there. Until ultimately, he and his family had all kinds of problems with sin. If you read about Lot in the Old Testament, and we didn't have Hebrews to tell us, we would think Lot was an absolute lost man. The Bible said he was a righteous man that vexed his soul daily. How? By lust and being enticed by the things he saw around him. So we have the desire that if not controlled and brought under the submission of the Word of God leads to an enticement. What an enticement is really is a stronger look at this temptation. We're not yet in sin. But the temptation has come and instead of, as we'll see here at the very end, looking for a way to escape, all of a sudden we're not looking for doors anymore because we kind of like what we see. We're enticed. We're drawn to it. Lust and enticed is not sin yet. But it almost should be. Because once we were enticed to that temptation, at the source of that temptation, and our eyes are drawn to that, next step here, when it's unhandled, verse 15 says, then when lust, that strong desire that would bring us outside the, the will of God, when that lust had conceived okay, now we've had the lust we didn't look for the, the we've had the temptation the, 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 based around some lust some desire we didn't look for a way to escape and we've been enticed and now we've gone from being enticed to that sin being conceived it's, that sin is being birthed in the process of being birthed in our life and it says there in verse 15 that bringeth forth seed, uh, conceive bringeth forth sin. So we've gone from a temptation based on some desire in our life that's going to take us out of the will of the word of God. We look at it strongly. Then we allow that sin to be conceived and we commit to act. There's a point there where as a Christian We ought to be under conviction. And at that point, we need to go back. The Rock of Ages talks about, I believe it's the Rock of Ages, talks about sin having a double cure. Saves from wrath, that's salvation, and makes me pure. That's the walking daily with him. And so when sin does conceive, we've got to go to Christ and have the blood of Christ applied to to, to the cleansing of uh, John, uh, First John says if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness that cleansing is still based on the blood of Christ and if we get to that point and we go back and we make things right with Christ we have that blood of Christ cleanse us we have restore fellowship and we can go on with the Lord The problem is, if we do not deal with that, look what happens next. And sin, when it is finished, it's accomplished its work, it bringeth forth death. So if you have temptation and you fall into sin, and it's a regular daily habit that you fall into sin and you can't get victory over it, you need to look at whether your salvation is truly salvation. A mental assent to the fact of salvation is not going to keep you and give you the ability to have victory over sin. It's when your whole heart is given over to turning over the Lord, understanding the weakness of our hearts and souls, look to Him and the work of Christ on, uh, on the cross of Calvary to have forgiveness of that sin. That's when, though we're not perfect and sin may come about in our lives, we have a basis to go back and get cleansing. you don't have that the ultimate end of sin is death now, there's a twofold death there's a physical death we're all going to face unless the Lord comes back but what he's talking about here is a spiritual death Sunday school this morning Brother Smith talked about entering in, in eternal rest and salvation with Christ for eternity the other opposite of that is to be in the torments of hell for eternity you see, our souls are not going to be annihilated. Have you ever talked to someone that says, I'm going to enjoy life now because when I'm over, it's finished. The soul's annihilated, I just cease to exist. You do not find that in the Bible. This body may die, but the soul that is in this body will live on forever in one of two places. It's either going to be an eternal rest with God. Or in the torments of hell. The basis of that is what we do with Jesus Christ. So having been saved. We still have trouble. Struggle with temptation. We can have victory over temptation. Or we can follow this thing. Where we are enticed. And sin conceived. Now. No hands. I'm not going to raise my hand. When was the last time you struggled with temptation? Was it today? Was it a few minutes ago? My point is, temptation uh, is not something that we can shed. Temptation is going to come. The question is, what are we going to do with it? And what we need to understand is God did not leave us alone in temptation. He gave us support. And really that's what the last part of this is talking about. Verse 16 is kind of a go-between between between 14 and 15 and what's going on in 17 and 18. When it says in verse 16, uh, do not err, my beloved brethren. What err is he talking about there? I believe in the context that we're talking about here, where God is not the source of temptation, we are the source of temptation. But temptation can lead to sin. And when sin comes about, and we don't deal with sin, there comes a point where we blame God for it. And he's reminding us again here in verse 16, Do not err and charge God with temptation that led to your sin. say why is that because right after that he tells us that God does provide support look at verse 17 he says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the father of lights with whom is also no variableness neither shadow of turning we sing a song yesterday today and forever Jesus is the same comes from, one of the, this is one of the verses it comes from. It says there, he's the father of lights with whom is no variableness. In other words, he's not going to change neither shadow of turning. He's, he's given us the word of God. He's not going to change one bit from what's presented to us in the word of God. The way that he conducts himself with men is not going to change one bit. Because of that truth, we need to thank the Lord for his mercy and grace. And that's what he's talking about there. Every good gift and every perfect gift, his grace, his mercy, his dealing with us, all the goodness that we have in life is from God. He doesn't tempt us to sin, but he provides an untold blessing. Again, it ought to be a motivating factor for us to love Him and and acknowledge all the goodness that we have at His hand. The support that He gives us because He loves us. He says, Of His own will, He begot us. We've talked about salvation, it's based on the Word of truth. All we need to know about God and salvation and having a right relationship with Him is found right here (laughs) the source of truth. He says that we should be kind of first fruits of his creatures. We are saved and helped by the word of truth. Matthew chapter 4 is the chapter where Christ himself is tempted. And three times he's tempted, and I want to read his response to each one of those. First time he's tempted, he says this, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And we're talking about the source of temptation, or the the support of temptation. What we're going to see in these verses is the source, the support of temptation is right here. I don't know that we're ever, as an individual, tempted by the devil himself. But Christ was. And when he was tempted, the first thing he said was, it is written. He's going to have, Christ himself is having victory over temptation and not sinning because of his dependence upon the word of God. Matthew chapter 4 verse 7 says, Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not not tempt the Lord thy God. It says it's written that you do not do that what do we do we tempt him all the time temptation comes we're enticed you know we're looking up you know, well maybe i can be enticed and look at this and god will be okay with it that's just tempting god and ultimately we've been enticed we're not looking for that way of escape anymore it will be conceived in sin but christ said as it is written He was dependent on the word of God. And in Matthew chapter 4 verse 10 was the last time he was tempted there in the wilderness. And he said this, Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan. Take you and your temptations and leave. For it is written, Thou shalt shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Now I'm going to ask question that has an obvious answer but it's not it doesn't always the answer is not always brought about in our lives if the son of the perfect son of God is facing temptation and dealing with the temptation from the word of God why do we think we can uh, handle temptation and not be in the word of God and what I mean by that is you know what your weakness is. You know that sin that so easily besets you, and so do I. Why not take some time and memorize some Bible verses around it? Why not if you know you have trouble in a certain area, memorize some Bible verses, because there's going to be times when you don't have this physical book with you, and there's going to have to be times when temptation comes in life, and you have to be like Christ himself and say, "I'm not going to do this because it is written." And this is where it's written at. Study the Word of God to show ourselves approved. Memorize the Word of God so that it can be a blessing to our lives and God can use it as a tool in support and deliverance from temptation. Let me conclude with this verse. I've made reference to it a couple of times. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Okay. Let me stop there. I don't care how great you think that temptation is or how big it happens to be in your life at a given time. You need to take some comfort in the fact that it is common to men. You are not the only one. But the thing about it is, God cares about every one of us. He says, There hath no temptation taken you but such as common to man. And this phrase right here, if you don't have this underlined, you need to underline it and and plant your flag right here. And God is faithful. And that temptation, when it comes... It seems full blown in your life. You need to remind yourself, God is faithful. What's He faithful in this context for? He said He will not suffer you to be tempted above you are able. That's why I said you don't fall into sin; you make a willful choice. Because God has made the support in life. In the middle of temptation, He's faithful. He's not going to allow us to suffer ourselves to be t- uh, uh, more than above that we're able to above that we're able to handle it. In other words, what, he means, what I mean by that and what he means by that is he's not going to allow temptation to come to the point where we end up in sin. He didn't create the temptation, but he's got an opportunity and a love and desire for us to deliver us from that temptation. And he says, you tempted above all that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it or endure it. When that temptation comes, God is faithful. There will be a door of escape. We have to exercise our will to take it. Have victory over that temptation and continue our walk with the Lord. This process of temptation leads to sin. That door is made available. And oftentimes, I think. We take a glance at that door and turn to enticement. That's why sin is so dangerous. Really what we've done when we've taken temptation and fallen into sin is we have done a disservice to the sacrifice of Christ on the cross of Calvary to keep our hearts and lives pure. He's made that sacrifice. He's made it available. Yes, it's, uh, the temptation comes from our lust, but God loves us enough to not let that be so strong that we can't overcome it and make a way for us to get out from under it and be victorious. And ultimately, that support is found right here. So the question is what do you do with temptation? Or may I ask, what are you doing with temptation? Are you having victory? Have you found the door? Are you being enticed? Are you right now letting sin be conceived? Well, God's made support. And His shed blood has made a provision for salvation in our lives and a provision for daily cleansing. We just have to turn to him and be faithful to this book. And we can be victorious over temptation. It ought to be the goal and desire of our life to live that way. If we're coming up short, we need to do business with God and make some things right.